From WHQR Public Media, this is the Newsroom. I'm Ben Schachman. Thanks for listening to a special edition for the 2023 Wilmington City Council election. On this show, an interview with challenger Catherine Bruner, who's running for Wilmington City Council. She's a veteran of the United States Coast Guard who previously worked with Bunker Labs, a nonprofit that offers resources to veterans, and she now runs her own real estate firm. Bruner volunteers with the Good Shepherd Center in Wilmington, a nonprofit that provides a host of services to the area's unhoused residents. While the Wilmington City Council race is technically nonpartisan, Bruner is running with the support of the New Hanover County Republican Party, and we'll have a link to her campaign site on our show page. We asked Bruner a host of questions, largely drawn from our Community Agenda program, and we'll have info about that as well. Catherine Bruner, candidate for Wilmington City Council, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Ben. I really appreciate it. Okay, so before we get into our questions that we've pulled from our conversations with the community, I want to hear from you what you think are the biggest issues in Wilmington and how you would tackle them. So um, it's really hard to pick just a couple um, because when I first get into office, there's so many things that I want to accomplish. The more I get to know people in this community and the more I'm hearing other people's issues outside of my perspective, the more things I want to get involved in. But currently, I think my top one would be public safety. I know a lot of the candidates are talking about that, but filling the vacancies in our police force, um, being able to do that is basically the foundation of any of the other things we, we might want in Wilmington, whether that's a social district downtown, um, putting some of the actual restaurant tables outside like we did during COVID. In order to keep our citizens safe, we have to start with the foundation, and to me, that's public safety. Um, additionally, from there, I... I'm a huge advocate for our small business owners here in Wilmington. We have some of the most innovative, creative, incredible companies that are doing statewide and international projects that are hosted here in Wilmington, North Carolina. And when you sit down with some of them, they don't feel supported by our local government. A lot of them feel more supported by other cities and other states than they do here in Wilmington. And when we talk about jobs, the best employers are our current small business owners, and if we don't empower and support them, they're not going to stay here in Wilmington. So that's something I really want to focus on is building those relationships, making sure we're appropriately funding and supporting them. And then uh, third, <laughs> it's not really so much an issue as to me, it's just common sense leadership. I feel like there is a lack of continuity in some of the decision making that we have at both the city and county level right now. And we have some really, really great leaders up there. But I think that that is the benefit of someone like myself being younger, coming from a military background, coming into this environment of being able to see that, yes, we might approve something today, but what about the things we approved, you know, three weeks ago and that we're approving three months from now? Are they really, you know, appropriate to go together in Wilmington and making sure that we have that common sense thought process before we approve anything? All right. Well, we are going to get to those issues for sure, definitely public safety and economic development. But I want to start with the number one thing we hear from people in the community, and that is affordable housing. This rent has gone up over 53% over the last two years. Um, it's been pretty staggering in some places. So to start, do you think the city is doing enough? Do you think it's working in the right direction? What are your thoughts on this? To me, I think that we should be a lot more proactive about our problem solving. Um, a lot of the leaders that I've sat down with in regards to this issue and honestly on the public safety issue seem to say the same thing about, oh, well, you know, we're running out of land or it's just what it's like living at the beach. And yes, that is true. We live in a beautiful, beautiful area. There are only 6,000 acres left of developmental, developmental land in 
New Hanover County, and of course it's a destination area and that's why people come here, but at the end of the day, this is a beautiful historic town with families that have lived here for so long that if we don't figure out ways to make sure that we're taking care of not just our first responders and our veterans, but our seniors and the families that have been here for a long time, I mean, we're going to lose what the beautiful aspect of Wilmington is. And so I am not a subject matter expert, but I will say some great ways to come up with solutions is to make it a little simpler for some of the developers to be able to process some of these projects so it's more affordable for them to build so that way they are more likely to create a percentage of affordable housing for people when they develop it. And then going back to what we were talking about earlier in the continuity, I know people's biggest complaint of approaching the affordable housing projects with creating more housing is an issue, but in my opinion, it goes back to basic economics, supply and demand. If we don't have enough housing, it's going to create more of demand. So if we don't increase supply, we're going to continue to see the affordable housing issue. And so what we've seen in the past is that NCDOT is not really keeping up with the development that we have here in Wilmington. And so I think as city leaders, it is our responsibility that before we approve a development, we need to make sure that NCDOT is going to improve the roads around there. And if NCDOT is not moving quick enough, we need to not approve these developments in the time manner that the roads have not been developed. And a lot of the developers will put in a U-turn or a roundabout but if you approve three different developments on one street and you just put it in a bunch of U-turns, unfortunately, that's what's creating a lot of our congestion right now. So we need to get more support from DOT before we keep approving this. So two follow-ups on that. One is both the city of Wilmington and New Hanover County have been ramping up the amount of money they've put into the affordable housing um, issue in general, whether that's you know gap financing or helping to put in you know water and sewer into the northern part of the county. Is that an approach that resonates with you in terms of actually, you know, directly taking taxpayer money and helping to bring down the overall cost of a development so that the units can be more affordable? I, and personally, yes, especially when it comes to the water sewer aspect of things. I had the privilege of getting to tour uh, the Sweeney uh, water treatment plant here in Wilmington. And I didn't realize how much, unfortunately, that that aspect of infrastructure is significantly contributing to the affordable housing issue because our southern water treatment plant actually has to be replaced every 50 years. And right now it's at 51 years, and that's going to cost $250 million to replace. And we have more than $15,000 worth or 15,000 miles worth of piping here in Wilmington just for water, not sewer. I mean, that's enough piping to lay from here to Texas, basically. (laughs) And that all of that, we are required, every developer and every homeowner to connect to water and sewer if you're within the city limits. And that's extremely expensive. And just that connection aspect before you even build the house starts to get costly. So if there is a way that the government can make that more affordable for people, we'll start to see, you know, the the price of building to be more affordable. One of the things we hear from housing experts is that we need more units all across the spectrum of developments, meaning we need more luxury units, we need more mid-range units, we need more workforce units, and we need more affordable housing units. A lot, and because Wilmington is you know, bordered by a river and the ocean and the northern part of the county, we're down to about 2% buildable space. So mostly what we hear is that you've got to build denser and more vertical which a lot of people agree with, until it's in their backyard. Mm -hmm. So the question we've asked every candidate is, where can that go? That is a great question. And I'm... My brain immediately went to an area, but I know as soon as I say it, I'm just going to make that area probably mad at me. But 
Midtown. That's where my brain immediately goes. It's just because the way that we are developing in that area, it doesn't take away from the historic views of the things that we see downtown, but even some of the downtown areas and some of those condo complexes that have come up in the last few years, the way that we've made them beautiful, I feel like, does give Wilmington a certain edge. And so I think those would be the best areas would be specific areas of downtown that's not impacting a historic district and then the Midtown area. The last question we have about housing specifically is about the unhoused people, people who are homeless. It's been a more visible issue, especially in downtown Wilmington over the last couple of years. Understanding that the city is only one part of any potential solution, how would you approach what's going on with homelessness right now? It's probably one of the first issues I heard about when I started door knocking. And I've been volunteering at the Good Shepherd on and off since about 2017. I got to go tour their facility when I was part of Leadership Wilmington and kind of just connected with some of the staff there and just started going back every once in a while. And the people that you see at the homeless shelter versus the people that you see out and about downtown, those are two different people. Um, The people at the homeless shelter are veterans, seniors, families that are working multiple jobs that just honestly can't afford housing. And then they've done a lot of research, the Good Shepherd specifically, and shown that a lot of the panhandlers actually are not homeless. And a lot of people are making the assumption that the disruption that some of the panhandlers are creating are the same homeless people, and they're just kind of lumping it all together. So I think it's a multifaceted issue that needs to be tackled. And in addition, I'm going to say that, again, I am not an expert. But if I were to be helping making decisions, I think there's a couple ways to approach it. One, I know that Katrina from The Good Shepherd has talked about needing the rapid rehousing program to come back around because that got unfunded for a little bit. And I know that being able to help people before they become homeless can really, really help both the facility not being overfilled, but then, you know, obviously seeing people out in the streets. We don't want that to happen to families. But then from uh, the panhandler aspect, I've seen that um, Arbemarle County up um, in the northern part of North Carolina, they actually came up with an ordinance that um, made it so that you can't disrupt uh, public peace. So basically, you're allowed to panhandle, but you're not allowed to accost people. You're not allowed to you know, um, dangerously approach people. You're not allowed to get too up close to people's vehicles and make them uncomfortable. So it's not really like inhibiting the freedom of speech, but it is making sure that we people feel safe when they're walking around. All right, some other issues that are sort of around development that we hear a lot about. Um, first is traffic, which you've already talked about a little bit. Mm-hmm. But other thoughts on how the city of Wilmington is handling the traffic that seems like it is a little bit worse every year? Well, I think because New Hanover, uh, New Hanover County is like an island, basically, that is something we're going to continue to see. And the more we develop, that that's going to happen. But I think, you know, there's a similar issue with the delay in our bridge and the delay in our roads and the overlapping issue there is NCDOT. And I think that we need to start putting a little more pressure on the state of realizing, I mean, Wilmington is not just a destination community. We are the largest port in North Carolina. If you listen to any of the governor uh, governor races right now, they are all talking about Wilmington and our port and the imports and exports and the way we can increase our economy through that. And so if they're going to be throwing marketing dollars towards it, we need to start throwing economic money towards our development and improvement for our bridges and our roads. The other part of that, of course, is public transportation. A lot of major metro areas use that as a way to keep cars off the road. WAVE is currently facing uh, a federal funding shortfall in the next couple of years, and the quarter cent transportation tax didn't pass on the 2022 budget. What are your thoughts on where WAVE is now? And understanding that the city of Wilmington is not totally in control of it, where would you like to see public transportation in Wilmington go? 
So I think we have a lot of incredible, innovative people that are here in Wilmington that have really started to talk about some creative ideas. Specifically, uh, the WDI is in the very early research uh, phases of finding some um, private options for funding for being able to find um, some green options for (laughs) electric cars and things like that for transportation to help out with some of the things that WAVE may not be able to cover. I know that uh, their trolley system was a really exciting project and had we been able to have the appropriate funding to have both trolleys running and it had been a 20 minute ride and it had been free, I think that would have really been an exciting thing for downtown. But right now we just have the one, it's 40 minutes and a lot of our homeless population has been able to utilize that to get to the Good Shepherd, which is great. But I think from a tourist aspect, we'd be able to get a lot more out of that for our city if we could stop using one for parts and actually get it back up and running. But I know they've went through three directors in the last few years, and I've heard a lot of positive things about the new directors that's there. So I'm hoping with the funding that they do have that we can start to get more, you know, common sense accessibility to some of our buses and transportation system, because I know right now people that need to be downtown for a nine o'clock appointment, some people have to get on the bus at 6 a.m. and they have to walk more than a mile. And so finding more walkability in our community, which I know our city council is working towards right now, and just hoping that the new director of the Wave Transit is able to allocate those funds to make it simpler for people. So this is a budgetary question, but in the past, Wilmington has been the largest local funder of WAVE, the second largest. It's not the county, it's UNCW, as I've heard you talk about this. Um, So in the event that WAVE needs uh, an influx of funding, is that something you'd be willing to do as part of Wilmington City Council? So that's a complicated question because, honestly, it would depend on what was happening at the time. It would matter at where our funds were at the point of the request that was coming in and what was happening in the city. Um, and so I can't, I can't honestly give you a direct answer right now because it would really depend on the situation. Okay. So you another thing you mentioned I want to come back to is you talked about walkability. We hear a ton about this. Right. Uh, we hear people asking for more walkability, more bikeability, especially outside of the greater downtown Wilmington area. There are still some projects on the books from, I think, the 2014 transportation plan. But how do you see that playing out in Wilmington? Is that something you would want to do more of? Do you think we're basically on track? Well, I think it goes back to the common sense aspect. And Walkability sounds really pretty when you're looking for bike trails and, you know, areas for us to have just connectivity to our sidewalks. But to me, it goes back to looking at the foundation. And if you talk to some of the citizens that are in Wilmington about why they want walkability, it's because they want their children to be able to leave their schools and safely be able to cross the road. And we don't even have the simplicity of that in a lot of our intersections, especially in front of our schools. So, as much as yes, I really would like some bike, hiking trails and you know some places to ride our bikes before we even get to that phase, I believe we need to seriously look at the intersections where children, daycares, school systems are and make sure that those intersections have safe ways of being able to cross the road. Another issue we hear, it's, it's tangentially related, but every time there's a development, at least a tree gets cut down. <laughs> I think this has really been on people's minds in part because of the center point development, which is on Eastwood and military, where they sort of clear cut an entire large area. But also there's been projects downtown. How do you think the Wilmington City Council's approach to you know retaining that urban canopy has been? So it's really interesting how when you talk about this from an outside perspective of, oh, you know, that seems really inconvenient for other people. But then when it happens to you, that's when you feel it. 
I recently just had um, an entire forest over by my neighborhood where I live in Midtown get sectioned out to where they only left 10 trees of what's something that you used to not even be able to see through. And it was shocking. You don't realize how much you have like a subconscious emotional relationship with greenery until you don't have it anymore. And I feel like in order to continue to approve the level of development that they have, especially at the rate we've been developing, we need to make sure that every developer coming into our community understands our area, make sure that the next hurricane that comes through, that we have the way that those properties are set up safely so they're not going to flood, not going to flood surrounding properties, and that we're protecting our green space significantly. So this is the last question about sort of real estate development. Okay. Because we'll talk about economic development, too. Um, <laughs> so there's been a lot of redevelopment in areas like what's getting called the Soda Pop District, mm-hmm. um, Castle Street, uh, the South Front area, the North Side. One of the things we hear from residents there is that, one, they're afraid that the culture of the neighborhood is getting destroyed. And two, they're afraid they're going to get priced out. This is often discussed under the big umbrella of gentrification. Right. So, again, the city has some role in this. Um, it also involves, you know, private developers and private citizens making decisions about where to live. But what do you think the city can and should and, and you know, and is doing about the issue of gentrification? So in that area specifically, um, I think it's become very, very beautiful. And a lot of people, at least that I've heard discuss, feel a lot safer going into that area. So I think at the end of the day, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword is that, you know, you, you want areas to feel safe. You want, you know, private people to come in and invest to beautify areas that, you know, might be a little bit dilapidated. But at the end of the day, I think we do need to make sure that our zoning does have balance and it goes back to taking care of the original residents that are in our community and the history and just making sure that we are understanding both sides of it. All right. So now I want to talk about the other kind of development, economic development. You've already talked about small businesses. So the city has a number of economic development organizations. There's, you know, Wilmington Business Development. There's WDI. Over the last, you know, seven or eight years, I've reported on a couple dozen different economic incentive programs that have brought some major businesses here. How do you look at Wilmington's economic incentive efforts? I mean, what do you think about them? What would you do differently? So um, last night at the... uh Downtown Business Alliance um, Forum, one of the questions they actually asked us is, who do we think should be charged with the responsibility of finding the renters for um, the Grace Project and the Gateway Project and things like that downtown? And to me, I feel like any... Well, one, I want to say that everyone should be responsible for that so because we should take responsible for our community as a whole, but that the elected officials and the people that are involved in those conversations, they need to not let it just stop at the approval and breaking ground. It goes beyond that. And so to me, it's about recruiting the talent and it doesn't need to be you know the next ppd but just making sure that we are having those conversations with other cities and other states and other communities and that we are advocating not just when within the city limits of wilmington but making sure that this community is thriving giving opportunities to our current small business owners to rent those spaces but then also treating our community like a business and knowing that if you don't have the network here you need to build it you also talked about how important small businesses are definitely what do you think the city could do for small businesses in the Wilmington area that it's not doing now? Okay, this is the one where I might get a little loud and heated. <laughs> That's fine. So what I found extremely shocking when I sat down with a lot of the small business owners here is that they have came to the city council or up to the county, and they have asked for small grants or small support. And come to find out, a lot of the city will end up creating 
jobs to almost replace or recreate some of what our small businesses are doing. And I don't want to name specific businesses, but to me that there are a lot of um, really incredible people here in Wilmington that if we can just give some of these small businesses a small amount of support, it would cost significantly less in our budget just to grant them what they're asking for when they come and approach us because they're helping Wilmington as a whole and the private sector as our community versus the government trying to recreate their jobs and push them out of business. All right. Now, public safety. Okay. So we'll start at 30,000 feet. How do you think the Wilmington Police Department is doing as a law enforcement agency? I like that they have actually um, tried to switch their approach since 2020 more of trying to do a lot more community policing. I think that they're going to have to fill a lot of their positions in order to get it to the level that they want to of making our community feel a lot safer and that our police officers are approachable. But I had the benefit of getting to do a ride along with their homeless task force and watching how compassionate the police officers were and the way that they engaged with the homeless population and how much they are taking it so personal of wanting to help our community. It just it gave me a lot of faith and excitement for our police officers. So the Wilmington Police Department is facing not just shortages, but a police chief, Donnie Williams, has said he would like to go above and beyond that sort of net zero staffing level and add officers to do the job the way he really wants to do it. Every law enforcement agency or almost every law enforcement agency in the country is facing difficulty with recruiting and retaining. How can the city tackle that? I think that goes back to the responsibility of the community, too. It's kind of everyone. And I think the reason that a lot of our police forces see that vacancy is just because of the stigma that's gone around towards how unsafe police officers feel. I remember when I was younger and I would never hear a conversation about a police officer feeling unsafe, but we've kind of created a lot of divide in our country since COVID, not just politically, but even through, you know, police force in the community. And so I think being able to soften that, making the police officers not just financially feel secure, but have a community that supports them and is behind them because they're supposed to be protecting our citizens, I think they want to equally feel protected. That's fair. Anything in particular the city can do to help change the tide? Because I agree with you. Our conversations with people in the community and people both in the sheriff's office and the police department is that the frustration is not just financial. It is feeling like they are not respected or even wanted on, on the street when they're out patrolling. I mean, how can, what is the city's role in changing that conversation, basically? Well, basically setting the tone and being that leader that they want to see in the community, because every other Tuesday there is a recording of the city council up speaking about the community issues. And when you have the police chief and the city council kind of at odds with each other on a certain subject and people are seeing that live and broadcasted, it kind of creates questions, not solutions and answers for our community. So I think building those relationships stronger and making sure that we are being respectful in the way that we are speaking about our police force, that we are being respectful in the way that we are speaking to one another, it hopefully trickles downhill so that's how the community treats each other. All right. So that is our run of show for questions from our community agenda. But I I wanted to know if you had any other closing thoughts you want to share with listeners. So I think just in closing, the things that I would want to share with um, everyone is that um, I've had a lot of gratitude in this experience. It's been kind of intimidating to run for city council, but uh, all of the candidates have been pretty incredible. And being able to even have this opportunity in Wilmington just shows you how incredible Wilmington is because so many people want to just stand up and fight for what we have in this community. So if you are someone that's listening to this that has even the slightest interest in getting involved, I think that's exactly what we need right now is more people to stand up and make a difference. 
All right, Catherine Bruner, candidate for Wilmington City Council. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Ben. That was our interview with challenger Catherine Bruner, who is running for Wilmington City Council. I'm Ben Schachman. Thanks for listening to this special edition of the Newsroom, and check out our other candidate interviews at whqr.org or wherever you get the Newsroom as a podcast.